0: They speak into their culture, yeah, and, and and I think that's our job,
1: right, 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 right. You know that's, what I mean,
0: yeah. and that that we don't just safely expound the scripture without applying the scripture to our culture, mm-hmm. either to rebuke the church itself or yes. to call into question some of the, you know, uh, cultural preferences and how we're going as a society, but to do it in a way where it kind of emphasizes the gospel and the yeah. freedom of the cross. Hey, welcome
1: to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 101. I'm your host, Mike Neglia. Hey, I hope that your Easter celebrations uh, went well uh, this past Sunday. Uh, I know they were different. I know that they were live streamed or broadcast, uh, but I do trust that the gospel was preached and the word went forth in these new and different ways that we find ourselves teaching and preaching in. Um, hey, so this episode was recorded uh, last summer, so back when the, the world was a little bit different. And this is uh, myself and uh, Pastor Armando Garcia. And uh, it's a kind of a longer conversation than we usually have. And we, uh, we talked about a few different things, but we really landed speaking about um, what contemporary Christians can be learning from the history of the church that's gone before us. Uh, Armando and myself both have a deep appreciation of uh, not only the scriptures, but the history of God's people since then and how they have looked back into holy scriptures and pulled out applications for their contemporary situation and how they can serve as models or examples uh, for us in our time. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And I will, uh, I have an announcement at the end. So make sure you still listen at the end of this podcast. All right, I hope this and all that we do at Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's Word. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective podcast. I'm here with Armando Garcia. Do you want Hello. to say hi?
0: Hi, everybody. <laughs> um, hey, Armando, where are we? We are in Cork, Ireland, in your beautiful office. We
1: are in the yes, the Calvary Cork office. We call I call it the offices because it sounds more official, but it's just one room. It's one room with two desks.
0: Uh, so <laughs> you segregate one office with the, your bookshelf. The bookshelf then, it actually yeah. divides it. Yeah. Okay, and the other side is the other office. So I see that. Welcome now. to the Calvary Cork
1: offices. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, we're not a big deal. <laughs> so, um, so you are here visiting. You, you, where, where do you live and minister usually?
0: Fallbrook, California, the Cowboy okay. Chapel there. Yeah, yeah.
1: I grew up there. I know you did. I got saved there.
0: Yep, and that's why I'm here in Cork, Ireland.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> you came to Hungary first, yes. ministering in Hungary, and then as a final couple of days, now you're here in Cork. I'm glad you're here.
0: Yeah, I'm really glad I came.
1: And what's your connection? Not just to Cork, but to Europe and Hungary.
0: Uh, I served as a missionary in Hungary back in the '90s, uh, from '92 to 2001, and planted churches. You know, evangelized all that stuff. Wow, which you're very familiar with.
1: Um, yeah, that's great. That's that's cool. And then from there, you kind of bounced across the U.S. from 2001 up until up until now.
0: Yep, I uh, worked in Omaha, Nebraska. Okay, a place called the Hope Center. Uh, it's for, you know, inner city kids, predominantly African-American youth. And then for about, after that, I moved back to California and I was a youth pastor again for eight years at Calvary Chapel Marietta. And, um, and I also taught the evening study with adults for about six years. Of the okay. Eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then Redlands cala mesa now back to fallbrook wow so there you are
1: the pinnacle the fallbrook <laughs> california is the pinnacle the <laughs> yeah. crowning ju- yeah i will say the this capstone stone.
0: out of all the places i've preached i've always loved that church really yes always always felt at home there the people are very welcoming and it, it just fits me it I'm, fits me really well
1: i am glad i'm yeah. i i have not shown you i have a, Cal- uh, a fallbrook tattoo do you i do yeah
0: Well, I don't don't need to see it right now, do I?
1: Well, I mean, if you did, it wouldn't be good audio. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah, I have a, it's a, it's it's an avocado. Ah, Oh,
0: there you go. There you go. So
1: anyway, I love Fallbrook. You look Fallbrook. I'm sure nobody else listening to this podcast cares. (laughs) So, hey, Armando. So uh, why don't you tell us about your first sermon you ever preached?
0: I was uh, 18 years old. Um, I had just gotten saved maybe a few months before Okay. and uh they asked me to share on for the lord's supper on a sunday night yeah and uh, they gave me the body so to speak and um so i spoke on the crucifixion for okay. about 15 minutes yeah and uh i was all heart obviously didn't really know a lot about it but just kind of communicated my probably my emotion and how it touched me yeah and um my old pastor um said hey man you got a gift and i was like really hmm. so hmm. second one not so good okay but the first one yeah it went well went yeah
1: well. yeah oh that's that's great and um what was bad about the second one? Oh, man. oh let's not focus on the good of the first one let's move on to the bad because <laughs> also 15 minutes and it sounds like you have you know you're talking about like the heart of the gospel jesus yeah. died for yeah. us mm-hmm. so it's it'd be hard to mess that up yeah um so talk about how you messed up the next one.
0: <laughs> the second one was on Samson because I was my devotions I happened to be in Judges, okay. and I thought like when I thought about it, I thought it was so clear to me. And I had it was at a lunch for my high school group. Uh, I think it was Agape Club or something okay. or Live Club, Live Club. Yeah. And oh my gosh, I don't even think I lasted five minutes. Really? I flopped. Really? Yeah, I ran out of stuff to say within five minutes. Really? Yeah, my friend looked at me and just kind of shook his head and. I thought this might have been a short-lived career. Huh, huh. <laughs> and
1: did you just kind of pray and end? Or how did you, after, after five minutes,
0: then what? I started to kind of panic because yeah. I knew I had another 15 minutes. <laughs> and when I get nervous, I tend to sweat. Okay. And uh, it was pretty obvious that I was, my boat was not sinking. Yeah, It had sunk. Yeah. And my friend kind of said, oh, all right, Armand, thank you so much. Why don't we break up in the groups and pray? And I was like, Thank you so much. Yeah. It sunk really quick. Hit, I hit, it was, I was a Titanic. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Yeah. Well, that one sank slowly. <laughs> yeah. But no, this was, I got hit by two icebergs. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean,
1: so how have you grown since then? Cause you preached yesterday yes. at Calvary Cork mm-hmm. and, uh, I wasn't up close, but I don't think you were sweating. No, not at all. You seem comfortable. It was a, a great word. So how have you grown Since then?
0: Well, you know, at about, I think, 19, I went to Bible college and we had sermon prep A, sermon prep B, homiletics A, homiletics B. Really? Yeah. Uh, Calvary Calvary? Chapel Bible College. They didn't have that when I was there. Yeah, back in 89, it would have been. Really? To 91, I think I was there. I wish I had that. No, it was really great. And the guy who Who, taught taught it, it? this guy named Rich Gosweller, he was uh, out of, he planted a Calvary in Irvine. Back in the 80s, I think. And he ended up at the Bible College. But he was very sermon, Martin Lloyd-Jones driven mm. type of guy, Spurgeon. He yes. introduced us to the great, you know, historical preachers. And uh, he took it with a passion.
1: Right. Oh, what, a, what a gift. I'm, it was. I'm glad you got that.
0: Yeah, I know. That's where everything really, study came together. Yeah. Prep, some prep came together at that point. I really haven't changed too much, but that gave me the foundational tools, I would say. Okay. It gave me tools.
1: Yes interesting yeah. okay yeah. well that's good well i mean now I'm, i i'm so thankful for my time mm-hmm. at, at bible college yeah. and i learned the content of the bible really well when mm-hmm. i was there and i learned um, i guess a, a greater love for jesus and practical christianity and they had an inductive bible study class so okay. I, I learned yeah. not only the stories of the bible but also how to study it myself and i i never ended up in a class on how to prepare a sermon Wow. So I just like knew what this book said. Yeah. And then once I began teaching and preaching, it was just, I'll just stand up and talk about it and, and then see what happens.
0: So it was your first book on preaching then? Did you get a book or did someone like no. take you aside? No, or no.
1: You just kind of figured it out. Yeah. Just preached a lot of bad sermons and then <laughs> I ran out of bad sermons and then started doing good sermons. Really? So, yeah, pretty much. Now that doesn't just, it's not to say that, um, they didn't offer those classes I, maybe I just never took them or never huh. saw them or I didn't have a friend taking it or nobody invited me into those kind of classes. Yeah. Um, so I just learned the storyline of the Bible and I learned it well and I learned, you know, some of the theology behind it, but but none of the homiletical. Really? Yeah,
0: yeah. Wow, because I, I really from, uh, well, hermeneutics is kind of like inductive Bible study, obviously. Okay. Uh, but with my um, homiletics class, A and B, there was the structure of the sermon, but I really have kind of stuck with it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, to uh, what is it? You know, exegesis, yes. interpretation. Right. Then, you know, then the illustration mm. and all that, application wow so,
1: yeah no i just i just i just kind of did what i saw done which is a very like it's it's not even very like sermonic yeah and we might talk about this in our, yeah. Next, yeah, our yeah. next episode the difference between like teaching and preaching yeah so i just i saw a lot of teaching and teaching is you know the way that i saw it modeled was kind of oh you go up there hey guys Open your Bible to, you know, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. All right. So as we all know, this is the second book of Corinthians. The first one, you know, is written probably in Rome. Yeah. Da,
0: da, da. actually, Where was it? Yeah, Was it written in Rome? Uh, yeah, I think it was. Or, it no, was. no. I think yeah, I Corinthians think was, might have it? been written from. Yeah, whatever, whatever, doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> A couple of scholars here. <laughs>
1: I never said that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, and and so it would just be like, oh, yeah, you start up by giving the context yeah. and then verse one, verse two, verse three. You're yeah. bringing up a bunch of truth, but it's not arranged in a way that's like arresting and there's not really this kind of like thrust behind it. Huh. It's just open the Bible, talk about it, yeah. apply it. Next verse, talk about it, apply it.
0: You know, you know it's interesting though, because I grew up in the Catholic Church and I was, we were very um, devout. And we had a priest there, Father Patrick was his name. This guy could
1: preach. Yeah, really.
0: I mean, as a kid, I remember his sermon. Hmm. I mean, I'm 50 years old now. Hmm. I was under ten at that time and I still remember this guy's preaching. And and he really brought it home. He had he had Irish blood. He was had the Irish accent. Okay. And uh, maybe that's my affinity for the Irish uh accent. But he, he that guy could preach. I mean he was he? amazing. Okay. A lot of passion. Yeah. So he learned how to preach? Somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere. I think partly though, I think it's partly in your blood, I I feel. Okay. I, I think, you know, some people can be very analytical, yes, and logical, and I think other people can be very like kind of like Lloyd-Jones says, different with ethnicities, you know, the different passions that we have, hmm. and argumentative or whatever you might want. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: So so one of the ways you've grown, you said, is that you, you went to Bible college. Yes. And you, you you got so much more official preaching yeah. classes than I ever got. Yeah. Um, and then did you put those in practice right away? Yeah, or? I
0: did. I got really blessed. I went back to my home church yes. and they allowed me to be um, a high school intern. Okay. And the coolest part about it was the, the guy who was running the youth group, Allowed me to preach, and he let me preach all the time. Oh, really? Yeah, he was like, he was the type of guy. He's like, yeah, I think you have a gift, and I want you to get hone in on it. Mm-hmm. And so he let. I would probably preach. I would say f- three out of four Tuesdays a month. Oh, really? That was our youth night. Yeah, yeah. He, le- oh. he really, he really let me go for what it. a gift. He was. He's one of my best friends to this day. Really? And, um, but Yeah, he let me run. He really did.
1: Mm-hmm. And and were they good straight away?
0: Uh, no, no. And, and it's hard.
1: Of course, we're our own worst yeah. critics oftentimes, but...
0: No, because I had a tendency to be like a one-string guitar. Okay. So when something would capture my, yeah. my imagination, I wouldn't allow it to form through the scripture. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. the idea yeah. or the concept. I would kind of find one thing I liked about it and then just hammer on it. Got it. So okay. I bludgeoned it to death <laughs> and pulverized it.
1: So, okay. So when you say one-string guitar, you don't mean... That you're bringing every sermon to the same point. No, you're no. saying that you would see something in the sermon yes. and then just
0: yeah, hammer, hammer, okay. hammer
1: like three sing the same thing three different ways. Sure, okay. We, Brian Chapel would say that's the that's the good thing to yeah. do. That there, he he would say that
0: there should be kind of one point to every sermon. Yeah,
1: but you said you are doing it in the bad
0: way. Well, I think when you're when you're 19, 20 years old, it's a lot different than when you're 25, 26 years old. Okay, and I think as 18 year, now as a 19, 20 year old, I mean, yeah what did i know <laughs> right but then once you
1: get 25 then you know everything
0: everything yeah. of course yeah well,
1: yeah ironically as a sign i find the older i get the less i know, you know Oh, or, or, exactly. or the I you know I'm, I'm incredibly confident about yeah. some core truths Amen. and then i'm aware of my lack of knowledge about other things. Oh. And the older I get. So I'm, I'm 36. And yeah. You're 50. Have you
0: arrived yet? No. Okay. I, I agree with you that 100%. I just think you're being more honest now. Yeah. I think when we're younger. We just kind of deceive ourselves.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or, or you just you don't even know how much there exactly. is to know. No, that's, that's so a great way of looking at it. So you know, you know this much. Yes. And that's all that you even think that could be known and you know it. Yes. And
0: yeah. That's a good way of putting it. No, I think you're right. There. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, so you got practice, not, we shouldn't call it practice, but you got to be able to put the things into practice. Absolutely. Three times a month. That's Mm -hmm. really great. Would, would, um, this youth pastor, would he give you feedback? Um, he was always
0: encouraging. Okay. It was never critical. It was never, um, you know, you know, it was Calvary. So it's kind of like open the scripture up. Like what you said, I'd read it. I'd kind of go through it a bit. Then I would hit something. Um, but not. How would I say it? 'Cause my old pastor, he wasn't a classical. He's one of the Calvary old, like guys, right? Okay, old guard, old guard guys. And um, is he in the Harvest book? Yes, he is. Okay. And um, I wouldn't say though he was classic Calvary himself, okay. like like in a Corson, Steve Mays, Skip Heitzig, mm. you know, Chuck kind of way. He was more of a, I would say, more of a preacher. Okay. His, I would say his strength is preaching. Right. Conference guy, great at conferences, at home, not so excited about what he's sharing at times. Okay. Stuff. Yeah. okay. He's a great guy, great guy. Yeah. yeah.
1: And and we'll leave him nameless then. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Interesting. That's, yeah. that's that's really interesting. And and again, just to tease, tease again, we'll talk more about the difference between teaching and preaching. <laughs> to me at least, right? In our next episode. <laughs> in our next episode. Because I think that's a, a really great discussion to have. Um, all right, so you've practiced, you've gotten a little bit more consistent, you've gotten positive feedback from a, sounds like a mentor or yeah, a friend. Absolutely. Um, when do you think you kind of found your own voice? Honestly,
0: I think I was forty, probably about forty years old. Really? Well, because because of my style, I'm very um, passionate okay. about what I'm sharing. You are. And in, and in Calvary Chapel, I tended to want to fit into a certain paradigm, which I thought. Yeah. Not that someone put it on me, just mm-hmm. my own conceived idea that this is what a Calvary guy, how he teaches. And I struggled with it, you yeah. know, trying to, again, like, let's like, say like a skip, who to me is a really great expositor and um, does a good job of like, he calls building a ladder or even like uh, my, like my Brian Bell. He's a great teacher, very mm-hmm. systematic. Yeah. You know what I mean? In his approach. And I just struggled. I mean, I struggle with it. And I remember one time one time I was uh, did a Sunday night and I just almost mimicked Brian in how he uh, prepared his messages, how he formulated them. Yeah. And when he was there, he heard me teaching and he's like, what the heck was that? And mm-hmm. I'm like, what do you mean? I was teaching a Bible study. He's like, yeah, that's not you. right?" And right, I'm like, right. yeah, but I want it to be me. And he's like, yeah, but it's not you. So why don't you get back to what you do because you're great at it. And that was... That was a huge turning point where I started to at least feel comfortable with my voice. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: And and interesting because if you are, in a sense, like honoring Brian Bell, yeah. trying to sound like him, yeah. he should be the one that's the happiest to hear it. Yeah. But he had, I guess, the wisdom to say that's actually not the best
0: yeah, he for was you. Great. Yeah, absolutely. He was great about it because he was just like, don't do that. Huh. That's not you, Armando. I know you. You yes. got to be you. And yeah. that really... i really love brian a lot and he really i really admired how he teaches and so when he said that i was like oh it's okay to be me Hmm. which again yes i didn't feel like i was classical you know verse by verse type of guy okay yeah
1: okay now hey so as you are okay so you've kind of found your voice about 10 years ago leaning into that um do you want to talk us through like your sermon prep routine how do how do you with your voice yeah assemble something
0: you know i think i always start off by trying to get an outline of what i'm going to cover you know basic outline three-point outline that's what i was kind of taught sure and then i'll do um i try to i try to really find the the doctrine of it you know like the central at least idea i believe that you know paul or easier in a in an epistle obviously than a narrative for me i i I prefer a narrative because it's easy to kind of tell the story and just kind of put your voice to it but when I do like an epistle, I try to find the doctrine of it. And then, you know, basic word studies. Um, I try to stay away from commentaries as much as I can. Okay. Um, I get a lot more on my word studies. And also, one thing I love to do is look at old sermon outlines. Really? Yeah. Like in the, even in the public commentary, you know, they have that homiletical section. Yeah. I always go there. I try to buy old um, sermon outline books really yes because uh they radically stimulate me and they get me thinking outside of myself if that makes sense
1: no one has i've interviewed a lot of people about Mm. sermon prep no one's ever talked about that before
0: yeah i so why don't
1: you even explain what is a sermon outline book you
0: know if you look if you find them there are a lot of older ones um i can't even put a name to them sure but uh, i started with the public commentary to be honest with you okay and you go to the back after you read the commentary section, and then you'll find maybe two or three sermons yes. on the passage you're covering. Yeah. And there's sometimes there's a point uh, that I'm like, wow, that's that's actually very insightful. Hmm. Um, and so I'll um, uh, kind of look at that outline, um, and then I found uh, what's another one. Actually, I think it was the old pastor at my church. Now he left these volumes of New Testament sermon outlines and i asked him about it and He goes, yeah i never used that someone gave it to me mm. i devour them really yes mm. because again it just either confirms like i'm seeing what someone else saw that gives me much comfort yeah right but there's sometimes there's maybe one point that i found very insightful that i missed mm-hmm. but it touches my heart and i'm like ah there it is like that's what i was looking for and so um i'll also do a thing too where if I'm struggling to find that point, I'll read Spurgeon's morning and evening devotions. I'll try to find that scripture. Yeah. And then see Campbell's searchlight through scripture. Okay. He just highlights one verse. Yeah. on every chapter of the Bible, um, I'll look at his too. Um, but these things, these little tools are always at the end of my sermon usually, um, where I kind of look over it again and I'm just kind of trying to round it off. And so those, those sermon outlines, um, I just find them; they're just a, uh, a mine of gold to me.
1: Interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you are the only one that's found that that mine. <laughs> you were like the prospector. Thank you for sharing what you found.
0: I'm just desperate. Really? really. So,
1: so you're doing word studies, and then using these outlines mm-hmm. yeah anything else like you, you talked about how you're a big logos guy yeah yeah
0: logos. um with with the logos and what do you use on there honestly so- it's really their word studies exegetical guide yeah. i use a lot and um also uh one other thing i'll use um one thing i liked a lot was the church father's commentary oh yeah yeah i love those yes that's so amazing. good and it's so easy on the logos you just type in your scripture. Oh, that's logos? Like, yes. Oh. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, really? I, there's there's a guy in town. Yeah. He owns the full set. Oh, wow. And he
1: lets me borrow one uh, at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I can never, I'm not allowed to have more than one at a time. Yeah, you're smart. Yeah, well, yeah, because they're expensive. <laughs> too. And yeah, so, they And expensive. so I borrow them, so I can't highlight in them. Uh-huh. So I have to, like, I keep, awesome I keep a notebook, one? and I just oh, kind of, yeah. like, write out the quotes. Um, interesting. Yeah, the, the ancient church... Commentary on the New Testament, yeah, ACCNT. I'm, I'm I
0: think. Pretty sure. now I'm, I'm questioning it, but I'm pretty sure I mean, it yeah. came out just recently. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah within a few years. Yeah, I yeah. Would say. Oh yeah, let's say I years don't. Years. I don't have them all though. I just buy them individually. You can do that, that on logos Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty oh. sure. I'm. I'm. If I'm lying, I'm going to feel really stupid. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that's one of the things that attracts me to it.
1: Yes. Okay. But then, you know
0: what else I like doing too with my sermon. Prep.
1: If you're lying, then yeah, then the literally dozen <laughs> listeners to this podcast are going to. <laughs> They're going to
0: burn me at the stake. Yes. No. Eleven or twelve devoted listeners going to come
1: heretic no there's a lot more but
0: you know it's interesting um you know the old books i've read like you know rc Sproul, or um you know certain books that are more christian living
1: okay
0: i'll kind of remember something like hey i read this once yeah this passage he used it you know on holiness Mm or on uh god's on grace or election or something like that and i'll kind of go back and and again going back to the doctrine. Mm-hmm. of what maybe this passage is saying yes yeah so i'll, I'll like read grudem's and Burkhoff's systematic theology on certain you know weightier doctrinal things that i'm not completely comfortable you yes. know
1: well look on on my desk is yeah. grudem and burkoff right <laughs> there, there. You so there you me, me too yes. yeah, yeah so
0: i do and like ryrie too but burkoff and and grudem are my two favorites to kind of I think Look they're at. they're good. They're a good pairing. Yes,
1: it's 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 a good pairing, like mm-hmm. like you know wine with certain wine with pasta yeah, and yeah, certain yeah. wine with fish, totally. or non alcoholic wine. Yes, grape, grape juice, juice well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course, I and mean, that's what I drink. <laughs> <laughs> um, so can can we go back to the the ancient Christian commentary thing? Yeah. I um, I've found okay, so I've I've loved going through those, yeah. and of course there'll be a link to all these in our you know the episode notes. Um, but in, in there, I've just found it so interesting to see how these ancient Christians, they don't see a lot of the same things that we see Absolutely. at all. No, um, So they, they draw applications to, you know, connecting things to, to marriage or to government or to obedience or these, yeah. these things, they had a, they had a different set of questions that they were answering. Totally. And sometimes it's like, it's interesting because I can't find much that's usable in it. I, I love the idea of reading yeah. through it. And, you know, I, I'll find a, I find um, Hilary of Pontier, I think, huh. usually has good things that I that I enjoy. Um, but lots of times I, I read it and it's edifying to me individually but, like, I don't have a lot of quotes from it. No,
0: I, I think my favorite guy to look at is uh, Christostom.
1: Yeah, oh, gosh. Yeah, he's so quotable as well. He's, yes. Right? Yeah. And
0: that's, I look at him probably more than anybody else. Like, okay. I, if he's not in it, yeah. in that passage mm-hmm. or that scripture, I kind of I won't take the time, but if he's there, because there's been a number of times, especially on like the high days of Christianity, like Mm. Christmas, Easter, the Ascension. Yes. Man, Mm. you... I've literally stolen the outlines from him. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Oh, man, I remember
1: he did something on, on Christmas where he, uh, he used the most, like, vivid language. He was talking about, in the um, incarnation, he was like, God from heaven leapt down to yes. earth. Yes. And it's just like, he's using this. this is such vivid language. You can see him preaching it. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've been to um, Hagia Sophia. Really? And, yeah. And I have just, you know, like, man, wow. like John Chrysostom preached here. Wow. And there was, like, there's an icon of him somewhere that I could not find. I've seen a picture of it, like, you know, because when the, the Muslims took it over, they destroyed a lot of the yeah, icons yeah, or, or, yeah, or literally defaced them, took off the faces. Yeah. Um, and, but there was like a small one of John Chrysostom that they, they kept yeah. because he's a human, not divine. Yes, yes. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, and I was there with my friend Keith Fortenberry, and we're like looking around for it. <laughs> I pulled it up on my phone. I, I knew what the picture looked oh, like, and yeah. I was trying to find it in the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But yeah, John Chrysostom was a, a real. Real great, great yeah, creature. Those
0: guys come in on like once every 500 years or yep. something where they just transcend their age. Yeah, and, and he
1: is famous. Like, there's this famous picture painting of him, and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes yeah. where it's like he is confronting like the the queen yes, or the yes, princess the about queen. like something. I, I forget the details of it. or something. She was too ornate. Yeah, and there's this painting, and he's like in the pulpit, like leaning over with like this bony finger <laughs> pointing at her. And, um,
0: yeah. You know what else was a great book for me on like the great days? And again, it goes back to just the 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 essential doctrines of our faith that I think all orthodoxy agrees on. Uh, but like Lewis Burkhoff's History of Church Doctrine. Oh, really? Okay. And um he'll have like Amsel in there, what he said, or right. one of the church fathers. And a lot of it's from sermons that they preached. Mm. Mm. So I remember and it gets my heart burning sometimes when I read uh, certain sermons where I'm like, I could tell this guy's going for it. Like yeah. he, it's yeah. just flowing, you yeah. know. So yeah, I, those are some of the things I really enjoy. Well, yeah, well, I mean, I just
1: we were talking earlier on before we recorded the Greg Allison's historical theology. Yes. So that's probably mm-hmm. uh, funny enough. Actually, the historical theology is a companion piece to Grudem's huh. systematic. Oh wow, so I didn't it's, know that. It's, the, it's like it's the same order, yeah, and the chapters are kind of linked together. Yeah, obviously that's like the sequel to it. Uh-huh. Um, so. So Burkhoff's would probably be a good companion piece yeah. to his systematics as well.
0: You know, one thing you made me think of when you were talking about Christosom, and I think I take this away from um, reading about him and, and some of the church fathers, that they speak into their culture. Yeah. And, and and I think that's our job. Right, 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 right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, that we don't just safely expound the scripture without applying the scripture to our culture, mm-hmm. either to rebuke the church itself or yes. to call into question some of the you know, uh, cultural preferences and how we're going as a society, but to do it in a way where it kind of emphasizes the gospel and the freedom of the cross and all that. But when I read about that story you're talking about, Mm -hmm. I was, I was like moved by it, you know, because we're so quick to, um, Either just be a cheerleader for a politician, mm. or to be a, just a critic to a politician. Yeah, but it's like we have to transcend that with the truth. Yeah, and bring light to the situation, not just be blindly critical or blindly supportive, but apply the truth to whoever it is. That's yeah, you
1: that's know? and and I, I like that story as well. Not because I'm like a punk rocker, yeah. or anarchist or whatever. Although I, I <laughs> but you I, are, I used to be both. I'm not, I'm not an anarchist anymore. <laughs> no. but so. uh, I'm still a punk rocker. Um, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, like that's such courage. Mm-hmm. That's, that's speaking truth in a courageous way. And, you know, she had so much power oh, yeah. and, uh, but he was like, listen, I gotta speak God's truth and apply it to my congregation yeah. and to, for him to believe the queen is his congregation that he's yeah. not in essence when he's in the office of the the preacher teacher yeah. that he's speaking on God's authority and that's higher than even yes. that so that's a valid wonderful brave yeah, thing yeah it's a prophet again you yeah. know
0: yeah there's John the Baptist with you know Herod
1: yeah or or, or Nathan yeah. with David
0: exactly um, totally
1: yeah Thou art the man
0: mm-hmm. um, you know
1: so that's an interesting and I and I and I have this love for church history and it's great to read these old these old preachers and teachers for the point of what we can learn from them you know um, they're they got their faults yeah, just awesome thoughts absolutely. that were that were you know not very helpful as well yeah uh not a fan of the jews yeah um and um but yeah the reason why like it's, it's great to have a quote from yeah. the fifth century and and <laughs> but not for the sense that it just makes you sound smarter yeah although it does <laughs> um but it's not just that. It's like, hey, like we are the people of God, and we're always going to be facing different situations, but with the same guidebook, with the same yeah, Spirit of God inside mm-hmm. of us. And so we're seeing these early Christians; they're dealing with their problems, yeah. and they're looking to these same scriptures. And and we have maybe a different set of problems, and we have the same like guide yeah. in front of us as they did.
0: Yeah, and one thing too, I think, I, as we were talking, I think about this this element of history with a Remember those church history magazines? Did you ever get those? No. This was a thing I think in the '90s, probably, yeah, because I collected mostly all of them. Oh, did you? And they just do like you know a sketch of a uh, the Orthodox Church or Augustine mm-hmm. or Spurgeon yeah. or Finney or whatever these guys. But they do like a quick like a, just a periodical magazine. Yeah, came out quarterly, mm-hmm. but it just opened up a world to me mm-hmm. that you know you're, unless you're going to go through Shaft's church history, mm-hmm. you're just not going to. Find it quickly. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah.
1: Well, there's a podcast. Um, it's, I think it's called Five Minutes in Church History. Oh, yeah. That's just really, really great. Yeah. Know? I mean, um, I, I mean I'm, no, I'm no scholar, but I, I got a, this long standing interest in church yes. history. So for me, I'm like, well, I already knew that. Yeah. And for me, I, I'd like a more deep dive. But I think the five minutes in church history is a great introduction. Yeah. Or there is um, Communio Sanctorum. Which is, um, he's actually a Calvary Chapel guy, huh. um, which is super rare because most yeah. Calvary guys are not. Yeah, rich in the history. Yeah, that's a thank you for this. I'll uh, say it. <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, so I can't think of his name, but I'll, I'll, of course, yeah. It. But yeah, I think there's there's really interesting ways for us to just like easily dip our toes into this rich stream of Christianity. Yeah, history I think when of...
0: something captures your imagination too, it's a springboard. Yeah. And then you go deeper, you're going to find out more about that time period or that person yep. or anything like that.
1: Yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, hey, that's called a big long tangent. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think on that we might uh, wrap it up.
0: Okay. And Sounds good.
1: Then uh, we'll pause and we'll just do part two.
0: Okay. Sounds
1: good. Well, that was good stuff, wasn't it? Uh, thanks again to Armando for the conversation. And as you heard, Uh, There's going to be a part two of this conversation uh, that will be coming out either later this week or next Tuesday. And we referenced a lot of books and even a couple podcasts in there. And if you go to the show notes of this episode, uh, you'll find links to where you can find those resources either online or where you can order them and have them sent to your house. Okay, so... As you may know, uh, we had a training weekend that was planned for Seattle in May 8th and 9th. And that has been you know, postponed indefinitely. Uh, we look forward to uh, having training weekends again, we just don't know when. And so May 8th and 9th is uh, off the calendar. Uh, but myself and the steering team, uh, Nick Katie, and Pete Nelson, we were talking about ways that we can continue to be doing these um, some form of pre-chair training, even throughout the COVID-19 crisis. And so what we're gonna be doing is May 9th, so Saturday, May 9th, we'll be hosting some form of webinar, uh, probably through Zoom. Uh, The details are still coming together, uh, but we do want to have um, some form of training that continues on. And so the date is set. The details are still a little bit um, coming into focus. And so as we learn more, we're gonna keep you informed. But this is something for you to put on your calendars. Uh, It'll likely be the morning, US time, uh, the Saturday morning in the US, Saturday evening here in Europe. And uh, we want to do what we can to continue, continue to train you, to equip you to have as much of an interactive learning experience as possible. And so again, May 9th, Saturday, we're gonna have some kind of an online training forum that's taking place. So watch our social media, watch our website. Uh, We're gonna give you more details uh, in the coming days and weeks. Hope to see you there. And as I always say, I hope that this episode and all that we do helps you to grow in your personal study and your public proclamation of God's word. God bless you. Bye.